You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour, a live talk radio broadcast, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now for your on-air host, Christopher Albert. Hello there. You are listening to the Junket Jam Hour. Of course, I'm your host, Christopher Albert. And of course, we are being broadcast to you from Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is the nonprofit community organization and freeform internet radio station streaming original content by New York City artists and broadcasters 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And of course, it is Radio Free Brooklyn goal to empower and amplify the otherwise unheard voices within our communities. Now, on the Junket Jam Hour, it is my objective to share and highlight the artistic and creative journeys behind the impressive projects and contributions of some of today's most talented, groundbreaking, and underground artists, uh, artists, entrepreneurs, and professionals of all kinds, all of whom who work so hard and and tirelessly to bring you joy. So I do my best to bring joy to them. And now joining me now via Zoom, my special guest is originally from the Bronx, a native New Yorker through and through, who in fact was a fellow colleague and artistic peer in our secondary education in the arts. Since then, she has attained a bachelor's of science in clinical laboratory science. What's that? We'll find out shortly. Uh, From Stony Brook University, she also has an associate's in massage therapy from Swedish Institute. She's also a licensed real estate salesperson working diligently to become a broker in the very near future and is proudly self-taught in the art of summoning the courage it takes to make great change and committing herself to new ventures, whatever they may be, which is what she also imparts on her clients as founder and curator of Career Chameleon, the online course for women's personal and professional development. She effectively provides career and spiritual advice and guidance to women who are looking to advance not only their professional and vocational aspirations, but their spiritual ones as well. She will also tell us all about her newly released workbook, which you all can now find and get your own copy of right now from Amazon entitled Calling All Queens. This workbook is part of her month-long intensive workshop and group coaching for women, again, who are seeking to further develop their spiritual and personal connection to God, or maybe rediscover and rekindle a relationship with God they may have lost. While she doesn't consider herself an activist, we did see her out there uh, during the protests, she cares deeply about cultivating an environment that fosters an awareness and connection that purposefully leads others to God while you at home as a Junket Jam Hour listener, much like myself, may not be terribly religious. That doesn't matter. It isn't going to keep us from learning this woman's incredible journey, story, and compelling work. So let us all welcome real estate professional, entrepreneur, and women's development coach, author of Calling All Queens, the career chameleon herself, 
helping other women to find true fulfillment in faith, in life, and their careers, Miss Blair Janine Robinson. Hello, Blair. Thank you for that lovely intro. You're amazing. Thank I'm you so happy to so be here. much for joining us, Blair. We are honored to have you. And of course, we have so much to catch up on, right? Where do we begin? You, <laughs> you grew up in the Bronx. What part, by the way? In Co-op City. Co-op City, hey. Oh, um, <laughs> now, when we think of young woman from the Bronx, often typecast, uh, maybe a little too loud, a little too proud and boisterous. Um, yet we know Bronx women as resilient, right? Passionate, motivated, you know, Jennifer Lopez, Kerry Washington, Penny Marshall, Mary J. Blige, of course, this uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor and Representative Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. How would you describe a woman from the Bronx, namely yourself? <laughs> you know what? Everything you said, just proud, motivated. I mean, just the strong, like, like energetic women who have big goals. You know, I didn't meet, I never met a woman from the Bronx who just didn't want to just conquer the world, honestly. Like, you what? know, I feel like that's like a Bronx thing. I don't know if it's because we have the Yankees <laughs> next door. I don't know. <laughs> but Now, like, to be fair, for, for those of us who do know some people who never leave the Bronx, <laughs> not even to go to a museum in Manhattan. True. Because that happens. <laughs> but we love, we love all, nevertheless. Mm -hmm. uh, do you proudly wear being a Bronx girl as a badge of honor or is it just, you know, a time and place in your past? Um, it's, it's a little bit of both. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I have to, I have to claim Bronx and Manhattan because I went, uh, I went to high school in Manhattan and I think that's where you kind of get your real culture, like how, or at least half your culture from. So, because like, everybody it, converges from all over. Right, right. So you're meeting different people and then you're in a different environment. You know what I mean? So you're exposed to different things. Bronx, of course, is different from Manhattan. But I claim, right. like, when I claim the Bronx, I claim my strength comes from the Bronx. My resilience comes from the Bronx. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where the, Bro the Bronx and my accent comes from the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, of course, yeah. your Jewish neighbors. So yeah. uh, I always, for some reason, when I do New York, I always want to talk like that. Um, <laughs> Pelham Parkway. Right, from Pelham Parkway. Um, <laughs> you look a little thin. Would you like something to eat? Um, no, Sean. Here's a finish. So, <laughs> so now you studied clinical laboratory science from Stony Brook University. Things yeah. you could do with such a degree, I have to look up. Uh, research and product development, forensic medicine and science, food, cosmetic and consumer product testing labs. Uh, you could also maybe take up a career in medical product sales and marketing. You are, of course, no stranger to trying on different hats of many types and roles. What were your plans then? What was your aspiration, if any, to Gosh, study in this field? You, you know what's <laughs> funny? I was legit, like, I wanted to get into medicine and act at the same time. Ah. So <laughs> it was like, I wanted to use, I'm, I'm very dual brain. Maybe that was the conflict of the dual mind. It's like half creative, half, you know, logic. Right. And one serves the other. 
Right. So I was just Always. like, okay, yeah. I'll go to school. I don't want to pay for an acting degree because I was like, I didn't see the point. So I was like, I'll pay for a degree in science and then I'll go and, and start modeling and acting. But, but were you studying on your own, whether it's Meisner or Stella or... Um, it was, I, I went to Strasbourg's um, intensive. I went to the, Got so it. that was, um, uh, what do you call it? Method. That was method yes, 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 yes. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. You, you obviously still had your own, at least studying. Yeah. And practice. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. yeah. Um, so I love that. Now you also have a degree in massage therapy from Swedish Institute. What mm -hmm. attracted you to this specific holistic, I guess, health and healing? That's when the entrepreneur came in. So okay. uh, when I graduated from uh, Stony Brook University, I I knew, although I found the, the major intriguing, I knew it wasn't going to be my long term. And so you're in your early 20s. You're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you run around like Kermit the Frog. Like, you're like, yeah. I, need to, I need to try anything. And so um, I was like, well, I really did like the art of massage therapy. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool to own my own spa and you know different places in the in the united states and that's when the entrepreneur bug started started knocking at yes, my door so that's yes. when i went and did that and i had my own business in massage therapy for a little while i love that it wasn't just about the therapy it, it, although it could be right mm -hmm. and, and and i guess healing others it was also about that how can I make this into a business? <laughs> it was. I know it was. You know it. You know, and the thing was is I for that side I did I did want to I did love I love science. Yes. But when I found that it wasn't that route of science wasn't going to be it, I was intrigued by massage therapy and actually I was good with my hands and I really wanted to make people feel comfortable. So it was it definitely was about business, but it was like what do I think I can do? that's good for others that would actually help. Yes. And so I was actually good with my hands. I love and, it. and what beautiful God. hands you have. Thank you. <laughs> now, of course, the practice of massage promotes, um, according to the Swedish Institute, promotes relaxation, reduces pain, addresses a variety of medical conditions in various environments, um, obviously all with the goal of wellness and healing. Uh, is this a form that you, of healing and therapy yourself still use one and two does that since you know so much about it and you're studied in it does that make you a difficult person to please <laughs> <laughs> um you know i still i practice it for free on on family that's that's really where it goes and um if i am a uh, yeah i'm a tough client I'm still a tough client for to uh, massage. I am because yes. I still remember everything, and I'm just like, oh. Like, but I'll sit through it. I won't say anything, you know. Uh, I love that. Own. To each, each his own. own. I love that. Yeah. Um, as long as you don't get uh, Phoebe uh, uh, from Friends. <laughs> so you also, you, you know, you you eventually ventured into uh, real estate as a real estate professional you you are a licensed real estate salesperson soon to be broker we'll get into that a little later what then was your initial motivation into stepping into the business of real estate i'm not even gonna lie i had broken up from my boy my my four-year relationship with my boy felicia <laughs> yeah so i was like really like what am i gonna do with my life like yeah. I, everything was, was, had changed. Moved back with my, my mom. I was like, what am I doing? 
And so I literally, this literally happened. I was walking on, I think it was 19th street. And I was like, God, because real estate had been in my, like the bug had been in my ear. And I was like, all right, God, if you want me to do this, send me a sign. And I just so happened to stop to like check in my bag or something. And I looked up and it was, I was in front of a real estate agency and on the door, there was a sign that said, if you want to become a real estate agent, we'll pay for your license. I was like, if you ask, you shall receive. receive. <laughs> and it was there. I was like, but I, you have I to be receptive you. and Sorry? you have to, you have to be receptive. You have to receive it. Yeah. Yeah. You have and to be I, opening I to receive that. Yeah. Exactly. I was just like, all right, I'm going to let this go. And eight, nine years later. Right? <laughs> um, so let's break this down because this, obviously, everything you do is just pieces of the puzzle, right? And, and yeah. nothing is a waste of time. You are now so versed and knowledgeable in a myriad of things. Um, but real estate is, you, you know, and it's something you, you still hold dear. And obviously it's something you asked to be counseled in spiritually. Right. Um, so, you know, I know it's also a grueling experience as well. It can be right. Um, not just the hours I'd imagine there was covert sexism and, and racism, especially in the New York City market, and, and, and you're dealing in this specific. As, as, I, I'm, was it? Were you dealing in Manhattan? Yes, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this was as a property manager, right? Right. I made always a property manager. Um, so tell us about some of that experience. I mean, it doesn't all have to be negative. Obviously. No, no, no. Definitely it's love. definitely yeah. It's definitely not all all negative. Um, because I mean, I stayed in it long enough. So I, here are the positive takeaways to start. Um, it was, it helped me realize my character, who I am. Mm -hmm. It helped me it toughen my skin up. You know, I'm a better businesswoman because of it. I met some amazing people who are still my friends today. You know, That's we have right. some fun memories from just, you know, being like, we call ourselves back when we were kids, you know, like going from deal to deal. Um, it really can, it was the best mirror I had in front of me, like where these are the things that you are great about you. And these are the things you need to work on and improve on. And right. this is who, this is who you can be. This is like your potential, like go for it. So real estate really helped. I, I would say I always wanted to write a book that called was called real estate raised me because I feel like that's really what helped me become a woman really is well, going well, real estate. we are, we are we are going to talk about all of the boxes you have checked off. So you need to put that up on your board for the <laughs> next one. You should. So, um, you, you are your only child. Do you feel like real estate was one of the first places, like in terms of dealing with others and, and dealing with money, which, which, but you know, people get really serious, right? About what they're spending their money on, especially if it's someplace they're going to call home. And especially if they're entrusting someone else to help them with that decision. So um, do you feel like it was your real foray into the real world outside of yourself or outside of your comfort zone, which we'll also talk about? Yeah, it was my, yeah, it was my foray into the real world. Um, in positive and negative ways, you know, positive as far as like what I, ex I, I explained earlier, 
and um, just, I would say negative, you know, you start to really see the isms, you know, again, I'm yeah. born in the, I mean, I, I was born in Queens, raised in the Bronx, went to school in Manhattan. So I was kind of in a bubble. I knew racism and the isms existed, but I was never directly exposed to it because I was always exposed to different types of people who I adored and who adored me back. So it was very odd to me once I got to a certain level in real estate. Sure. Uh, certain behaviors and things that was going on and I guess I was blessed in that way and it, my friend reminded me who's, who's a white girl she was just like I got black friends Blair who's been experiencing racism all their life she was like you're blessed to not have experienced it until you hit your 30s I was like I sure am but when it hit me when it hit me I had to I had to learn how to not only navigate the world I was in be successful in the world I was in but then but on top of that hold my stand my ground I think that was all tough that this finding that balance in that and so like I noticed I think the first time I started experiencing these things is when all my clients would ask me if I was educated and I was like, <laughs> something, I even... that, something they wouldn't ask a male one uh, yeah I, but see I didn't know at the time because again my brain wasn't there but it wasn't until I spoke to my white friends in real estate and I was just like let me ask you something, dude. Does anyone ask you if you graduated from college? Like these things, and they're just like, and they're smoking a cigarette. They're like, no. <laughs> they no, mind you, half of them didn't even have the education that I had. God love them. It's no judgment, but it was just like, wow. Like I, this, this is like a thing. So I was like, all right, I see this is creeping. And then I was representing like a three million dollar plus apartment one time, and the woman who was going to be the potential buyer waiting for her broker thought I was the help. Mind you, right. everyone in the building was wearing uniforms. And then I had just closed a big deal. So I'm wearing like some Tory Burke. Yes, like, you wear it. Thing. Yes. I was wearing like three, $400 shoes. <laughs> the whole outfit was like probably in total like a thousand, which was a lot for me. You know what I mean? And then- Well, the you're presenting. You're, you're you. there to sell. Yeah, but she thought I was there to, to, to to, I don't know, clean the clean floor, it. which is an honorable job. I'm not against that, but it's just like, why would you think that? She's like, oh, I thought you like were the staff. I was just it's, like, it's it's really an interesting, and, and you know, we hear this all the time, and yeah. from, from the people we we know and love. Now, not only are you now a woman, but hello, welcome to Black Womanhood, Blair. I'm late to welcome the party, y'all. I, I was late. So. <laughs> Now, two, two years into your real estate sales, you found yourself in the middle of some kind of altercation, not yourself, but there was a shouting match, at least between one of your clients and the property seller. Mm. We don't have to get into what that was about, but this motivated you into a new venture, right? Mm -hmm. Just the drama of it all. Um to become a flight attendant out of all things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's start here. Despite you having a fear of flying, <laughs> well, take us from the point that, okay, you're in real estate, something else you wanted to try despite having the fear of, how did you get from point A to point B? Got it. Um, so, this this type of this type of situation is what I go over in, in a career chameleon about like knowing your why, really evaluating why you're doing something, and then making a decision based on that. Do you need to yeah. switch your career, company, whatever? So, oh, so I was in a point I, I was brainstorming because I was just like, all right, 
real estate is, is stressing me out and in my heart what's important to me what's important to me is helping people right and what i love to do is travel i was like so how can i bring that together and i was like oh i can be a flight attendant but i didn't really want to totally trash my real estate so the idea right. the plan was to be a flight attendant, get adjusted to that, and then maybe because I lived in Texas and start do, selling real estate in Texas as well. Because when you're a flight attendant, you literally can move your own schedule around. Like you, you have that power. So right. I said, okay, I can keep doing this. Maybe in another state, it'll be a little bit calmer. It won't be like New York crazy. So that was that was the plan, and that's what I went through with. Um, I was scared of flying. I faded. I faked it till I made it. Right, right. <laughs> but I got over it. I think it was like my fifth flight where I was just like, all right, Blair, like it's just a little turbulent. Like yeah, exactly. Like Sometimes, you made it. Yeah. Exactly. You made it. Like you made the connections you needed to to get here. You just just do the damn thing, girl. And <laughs> I just I did it. So I love yeah, that. it was great. It was great. Now you uh talk about that there was well, I didn't even know what what a Barbie boot camp was in terms of flight <laughs> attending, but I have you know I've had heard people being surprised by what they were getting themselves into in terms of training to become a flight attendant. What was that like? It's it's tough. It's not it's not a joke, you guys. Um, you pretty much have to know everything the pilot does. You know, it's you have to know the safety procedure. So really, it was two and a half months. I was in American Airlines. It was two and a half months of training. I would say maybe one and a half weeks. We learned the service. Everything else was how to pretty much how to get X amount of people off the plane in like one minute. Like that's all you got. So we were learning how to evac, like get people off the plane in emergencies. We were learning like where everything is on the plane for emergencies. We were just tra homeland security. That's all we're training, guys. We're trained how to save your life. <laughs> That's <laughs> what flight attendants are there for. Um, so yeah, it was tough though. I mean, people, a couple of people failed out. You have to make an A according to the federal guidelines. No test you can make under an A. So it was, it was, it was the right, toughest thing I've done in my life. So now I know you were elated. You're now a flight attendant, you know, in your success as a flight attendant, fortunately you had to leave for health reasons. Yeah. Um, I know you said being a flight, it, it can be tough, it, it taxing on your health, on your body, on your psyche. Um, you say the lessons you've learned, the places you travel to, the lifelong friends, you made, of course, made it all worthwhile. Nevertheless, what are some of the harder earned, earned, earned? Do you hear me? Earned, I guess, is good too. Earned <laughs> and learned those hard learned lessons that the friendly skies did teach you about yourself. Oh gosh, um, I think the hardest lesson was the lesson I learned after quitting, and um, that was to have a little bit more faith because I did quit for medical reasons, but I also inherited a house from my great aunt and I had to take mm -hmm. care of it. And the first year of your flight attendancy is you don't make enough money. So wow. I made a decision. Now that I look back as an older person, you know, I made a decision based more off of fear. What I should have done was flown less, made less money, right? And just figured out a way to buckle down financially. Cause guess what? Three months later, I sold the house and I could have kept my job as a flight attendant, 
and then use that money to buy a house in Texas and rent it out. But I made a decision off of fear. I let go. I let go of my core values, which I discussed earlier. Yes. And I, I made money the the value. Like, oh, I need money now. Like, money has to take precedence. No, it never did. I should have just figured it out and stayed. Because and you're always, as long as you're putting in the work, you are prepared. Yeah. And when that opportunity presents itself, you are ready. Yeah. But you never know. If you quit you midway, know. exactly. I yeah yeah. So you know that's the one hard lesson I I learned, but it was a good one. So I I will never make that mistake again. Yes. You know what? We always wish we could have foresight instead of hindsight, right? Yeah. So, but now you still found success in the operations and corporate sector of real estate, and、mm -hmm. um, there was a time where you found yourself giving career and spiritual advice. Coworkers, friends, private clients of your own. Interestingly, you also found yourself as a leader of a prayer team at church. Yeah.、Um, what kind of advice were you being asked to give? Let's start there. Yeah, just like it would be practical advice with with God intertwined. You know,、right. it would always be like,、yeah. "Oh, I'm having a hard time at my job, and you know, and and deal with my boss. You know, how do I pray my way through this? Like, what do I do? Like, how can I apply this,、um, my my Christianity to the work or my relationship? How can I apply it to my relationship? Is more like, how do I bring both together? And I didn't even realize that I was actually doing that until I started talking about it. So when I was going through a hard time with my my bosses, when I started climbing up the ladder, and I'm I was like, well, this is what I did. I was praying about it. I was I was being. I it changed my attitude. It helped me have a certain mindset. Like these are the things I would tell people, and then they would apply it, and they would feel better about going through whatever they were in their life. So、yes. yeah, I decided to to dig deeper into that and try to reach out and help people on that. On that、uh, level, I love that. So when you realized that your guidance was neatly converging into this space of professional and spiritual counseling,、mm -hmm. that light bulb went off. Yeah. So let's walk us through your career, Chameleon,、uh, helping to positively lead other women in their faith, life, and career. Tell us a little bit about、uh, Career Chameleon. That's also you. And, and <laughs> why was it? Why was it important for you to use and dedicate this, or your time, and of course a platform in the advancement of others for others? Because I just noticed how a lot of people didn't know how to do it, and then they would talk to me because I knew. They were just like Blair, you you you've had forty million jobs. Like, how do you get from <laughs> one point to another? And then and then on top of that, be successful in the jobs that you were in, you know? And and your and answer. I, hmm. And your answer would be. My answer would be follow your core values and understand your vision of what you want at the end. And it was it's a big answer though. That's what the well, but you、about. also but like, you also threw in. So this is just career chameleon without. So is career chameleon guidance? Okay, so that career doesn't include faith-based. 
So career, career chameleon is personal and professional development for women. It's not faith-based. However, if I'm dealing with someone individually and they want to incorporate that, then I'm more than happy to do that. Right. Um, calling all Queens is faith-based. It's, it's personal and spiritual. Um, so right now I'm as a new business owner, you're just kind of like trying to under, like, I know the vision for my business, but sometimes I'm seeing both worlds converge. So I'm right. trying to find a space for that too. So but we're going right to, yeah. Yeah. Let's get there. But uh, yeah. so in Career Chameleon, uh, one of your, I guess, I want to say mottos, some of what are your um, sayings? Motivation comes from within. Mm-hmm. And you are here to help your clients activate that motivation. What are some of your clients' biggest challenges in terms of finding or seeking motivation? If they haven't found it for themselves, where are they going to find it? Oh, gosh. Maybe what are some of the places that aren't so helpful? (laughs) Right? I mean... Well, the first place is your, can be yourself from that, those negative self thoughts. That could be the first place. You know, if you're telling yourself that you can't do it or you're giving yourself thought, doubt, then right. that, that has to go first. It doesn't matter how, how what anyone says. That doubt, be, though, still can be envi- something environmentally seeded. It, right? it, you're getting it from what people have told you. You true, can't. True true and i mean if it's up to that person if they want to explore that but what i what i recommend is just nip it like because at the end of the day it is from where you are yeah it's not who you are you know god didn't give you a spirit of fear the power of love and a sound mind like so go with that like you are not you're not made of fear babies don't come in fearful we teach them that you know what i mean so it's like just nip it and move forward in what your heart and your and your gut is telling you to do um, that. for that you're, for that time or for the vision. And you're not just your job titles. You're not just the labels that society no. have given you or yourself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Blair. Now, one of the reviews for Career Chameleon um, from Alicia A. Hey, Alicia. Blair has not only helped to improve my resume, but she mapped out a very detailed 10-year action plan. Honestly, Alicia came to you for Mm -hmm. career advisement. Mm -hmm. What are the key elements that go into planning, I guess in this case, career path Mm -hmm. or journey for anyone who is looking to map out their next steps? So the core of Career Chameleon is transformation, transition, so that you can take charge, the three T's. Right. Mm. So the first part would be going into your mindset, understanding why you want to do it. You know what I mean? Really, really canceling the noise. I, I, I call it I call the first week of career chameleon a like a, a, a mind fast. Right. So, you know, like in Christianity, you have like a fast fast to get yes. close to God. here. It's like you have a mind fast. No social media. Don't ask anybody advice about what your next step should be. Not anybody. Laser like, focus on what we're trying to do focus. now. Right, right, right. Like, and I, and, and I do, I think the only exception would be if you have a, a spouse, you might want to talk to them a little bit, especially if it's making a decision. Cause that's a household decision. Sure, you know what I mean? Like sure. definitely talk to them, but you just, the gist of it is like change your mindset. And then the transition would be to build that bridge, how I built bridges 
you know, when I was a when I was a flight attendant, they had just opened up the flight attendant applications. I think there was like 30,000 applicants and they only hired like 5,000 people. Yeah. So I was one of the 5,000 that got hired. How did I do that? Like I, I made connections, you know, I, I met another flight. I, I was bold, I made connections. I met another flight attendant, she bumped me up and I just went for it. And then I failed a, a couple of other airlines before I got to American Airlines, but I learned how to, right. how to, um, uh, what do you call it? How to interview for um, a flight attendant job, right? So it's like, that's, you're building the bridge, you're getting your references in line and you're going for it with that. And then take charge is my personal favorite from being a manager because I teach you from a manager standpoint, what we're expecting of a new employee or someone who's just been onboarded and how to navigate that po the politics because I don't care what anyone says, when you're in the workplace, it's all about politics, right? Right. We, people feel like we can always teach <laughs> the you. bureaucracy of whatever industry you're in. Exactly, whatever industry you're in. So you can always be taught the technicalities, but if the if management doesn't see that they can actually like mesh with you and like get you on board yes. mentally with what the team's trying to do, then it becomes a little defeating for people. And sometimes people are trying so hard they don't realize the steps it takes to actually first fit in and conform and then work your way up the promotion pyramid that I have. Like that's the model. I have a promotion pyramid. So I love that. Yeah. So I teach I you everything. That. It's the cheat sheet. Including patience. Patience. Absolutely. Lots now now when we're now we're not talking about idle patience. No no, no 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 active patience. You're still yeah. actively working, but be have that faith that you're planting that seed. As long as you're planting it, it'll grow. Right. Patience with yourself and others around you as well. Um so now things happen. What are some of the things? that if you encounter that could throw a wrench into a 10-year plan? Corona. Corona, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. Coronavirus, that threw a wrench Things, in a whole lot of plans. Familial changes, right? Whether yeah. it's marriage, death, divorce, mm -hmm. or a, a newborn coming in, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I what, would... what do you say then? How can someone not be thrown by these changes um, that can happen at any time. I think it's more so like, because I've, I've gone through it too, because, you know, I lost my property management job, um, you know, recently, and I didn't expect that. I had a plan. Honestly, I had a plan to, to quit this month. Not when, <laughs> like, not like, and sometimes October. that fire's lit for you. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag that, because that's really what that was. Right. So like I, 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't say don't be thrown because you're gonna you're human you're gonna be thrown off by right, it right but like have your I literally went through the the, the stages of um, not mourning of um, oh gosh what do they call it when you're going through grief, uh, grieving thank you, grief yeah. like I went through the stages of grief when I lost my job let yeah. yourself go through those stages yes. and then as you're going through it write down how you feel take the time to reevaluate what you really want. You know what I mean? And, and how you can grow from it, whether it's getting back into the same type of career or doing something new. That's why a lot of people ended up doing something new, honestly, during this virus, because right. they had time to sit and think and be like, what do I really want for my life? Remember your why. 
right? Remembering your why will always bring you back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Remember your why and believe in your why. You know, ah. sometimes, sometimes you'll have your why. Like I, 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 I'm vision boards are good. You know, vision boards are very good, but I feel like sometimes I feel like people have the vision board and they just like either they just look at it and keep going. They or, think it's some or, sort of magical thing. And, and, you know that, but it's more like, like there's times you might look at it and be like, that's just a dream, you know? Mm. And you really have to, you really have to really believe in you have what to see it. You have to you see have it. To see you have everything to see. that's there. Feel it. Yeah. It's tangible. Right. Why it's not yeah. you? Exactly. Exactly. Why not? It doesn't have to be just a dream. You know, one of the things on my vision board, one, is me, is, well, uh, it's a picture of a man and woman holding hands, like picking uh, fruit in uh, Europe, right? And I'm like, I'm like, you know what? There was a time when I, when I got like down and depressed, I was just like, well, that's just a dream. Like, just put it up there as a picture. And then when I came out of that, I was just like, wait, no, that's not a dream. Like, no, like that's, that's what I want. I want to be married in Europe, holding like the hands of my husband, like, you know, enjoying life. Yeah. It's not like I asked to be like, I don't know, a postage stamp, maybe turn into a postage stamp or something crazy. Like that's physically impossible. That's a possible thing, you know, like, so right. go for it. And, and sometimes it could change. That it idea can. can change, but it, it'll always be grounded in that mm -hmm. idea, that dream, yeah. that goal, that aim for yourself. Do you ever have to have a hard talk with any of your clients? You know, when you, when you talked about noise earlier, if mm -hmm. someone is a, that noise that you have mm -hmm. to maybe put away, put aside, yeah don't um, take their calls for now you know what i think the i know i think the biggest noise though that i have to like kind of kind of filter out from you know clients and people i've spoke with spoken with is not really the external though it, it plays a factor i think it's easier for people to shut off the social media once someone gives them the reason why they should it's the noise in your head it, it always comes back the to it doesn't matter what they're being told by other people you still have to learn how to filter that for yourself right right you got to turn that off you got to turn it off and that's where you know for me you know my faith comes into play like literally i'm a thinker i'm the ham i'm the person on the hamster yeah. wheel like, we can't we can't control what others yeah. think or feel but we can control what we think what or feel. We, even if we I need think. some help getting there Exactly. Yeah, exactly. In one of your YouTube videos, I love this. You guys can find her. Please go ahead and click that subscribe button. Blair J. Robinson. Uh, one of the videos entitled, Who is the Enemy, Really? Um, you talk about influence. Mm -hmm. um, just the, the overarching uh, idea of what influence is. Who's being influenced, how they're being influenced, and most importantly, who's the person doing the influencing. As someone who has already had great influence and continues to have influence on others, that's you. What responsibility do you feel comes not just with your influence, but your message, right? Because I feel like everyone, yes, we have yeah. something to say, but not everyone finds it necessary to really put stock in that what they're saying can and does 
have an impact on others positively or negatively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know it's so funny you brought that up because I was on a Zoom chat yesterday with the uh, three guys that I grew up with. Okay, so it was like you know the Sandlot with a girl. You know, like it was like it, we so we we're very comfortable around each other. And um, I was upset about something uh, just going on in the world. I was venting. And uh, we were talking about YouTube channels. They were like, Blair, you need to put this side of you on YouTube. I was like, listen, I said, it's not like I'm trying to like be like um, Betty Crocker or something like that. It's like, right. I understand that if I put this, this, my anger out on YouTube, this doesn't get erased. This is in black and white. This is forever. And it'll reach God knows how many people. And it will just, it will just send an energy of just anger, right? So it's not like, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, trying to say that I don't have that side to me. I don't want that to be permanent. I said, because right now in this moment, guys, I'm angry for a second and we can keep talking and no one's thinking about it. But if I have a video out there that's me being angry, you can watch that video in 2021 all the way to 2030. And I'm still spreading that message of me being angry about something. And then I in turn influencing someone else to be angry. That's not, that's not what I want to put out on the airwaves. Yes. You know what I mean? I, I just, I just don't want to be your, your, the Blair J. Robinson message is how do you positively funnel that anger into whether it be change right. or just, and, and, and again, influence, right? right? How do you take that anger and do something positive with it? Because that, at the end of the day, is what we do, as at least we try yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. That's and your it, message. Right. And it's not like no one's going to get angry or have negative feelings or, or whatever. It's just like, let's try to exactly what you said, just funnel that and do something productive or put your mindset in the right place so that you're not holding that anger because it's like cement in your heart. You know what I mean? So yes. I'm not trying to promote cement. No. <laughs> I'm <trying to> help <laughs> break it. <laughs> right. If it's cement, it has to still be wet and then you could put your handprint in it and that's how you leave your mark in the world. Yes, forever, exactly. So, but be mindful of what that mark is. For sure. So, My words there. <laughs> so, speaking of influence, you offer your clients a free 20-minute virtual chat. Uh, right now, I am having a free 60-minute chat with you. So thank you for that, Blair. <laughs> what can a prospective client mentee expect mm -hmm. from a call, a 20-minute call with you? So the 20-minute call is more so like what it, it just, honestly, it's about me getting to know your needs and if I can yeah. help you with those needs. Really, that's what it is. You know, are you, do you want to go down the route of, of uh, calling all queens, which is a live course, you know, that I, I do periodically, or do you want to do career chameleon? Or is this something where you just want to work one-on-one -on -one and you want to kind of wow. merge both, then yes. we can do something like that. My goal on those calls though, is to find out what you need and if I can be of service to you. Really, that's what that is. I love that. So now, as we, we've talked about it, we've teased it. And we are finally here under the umbrella of Blair J. Robinson brand, the brand of guidance. Yeah. Calling all queens mm -hmm. is a spiritual deep dive and self-development program based on the book of Esther, 
which we'll talk about that helps women prepare for the Esther anointing so that they can walk into their next step with confidence, favor, and most, because why not? <laughs> and most importantly, a deeper relationship with God. Let's start here. What is the book of Esther and how did it inspire this project? Calling All Queens. Uh, yeah. So the book of Esther in the Bible is one of my favorite books. Um, it's c- kind of like your classic rags to riches kind of uh, vibe to it. Um, and really, uh, Hadassah was an orphan and um, the king of Persia pretty much dropped his queen. She was not mm. following protocol. So um, she, uh, Hadassah, who then had to change her name to Esther because Hadassah was a, um, a Hebrew name. So she had to disguise that about herself. And so she had to, uh, she was in the courts, um, be going through all the rituals and stuff to actually be able to meet the king. The rituals were like a whole year. So then she becomes queen. And then um, her her uncle, or her, yeah, her uncle Mordecai was like, hey, listen, they're about to kill the Jewish people. So right. you need to do something, right? And so she was scared. And Mordecai basically said, listen, you're here for this. You're not here to look cute. Pretty much, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, <laughs> but no, this no. is what you're here for, <laughs> right? <laughs> so she was like, well, if I go to the king, I'm going to get killed because he could only ask her to come into the court. So she did it. She fasted and prayed. She went into the court and then he put his scepter on her as favor, right? Because he did care about her and love her. So basically what the course in the workbook is because the workbook is the guidelines for the course so whether you want to take the course like with me or not i have it there for you um it's it's about preparing yourself for that metaphorically like putting yourself in the position to understand who you are what's holding you back so that would be kind of like the the ritual part right where they had to cleanse and get ready to see the king and then the favor um, then the next part would be uh, walking to uh, into your purpose and actually walking into what the Lord has you there on this earth for and right. then receiving the favor from that. So the book opens up. It's one. It takes one week per module. And so it's uh, fasting and prayer and then thankfulness and then self-care. Um, a, a Christ-centered self-care and then designing your kingdom. So, but the first thing is fasting and prayer. So that's the di- that's diving deep into what's going on with you spiritually, mentally. What you what's what's the strongholds of your of your mind? Are you suffering from consistent negative thoughts about yourself? Are you there's a whole bunch of other spiritual stuff about it? So it right. go it goes from the deep dive all the way to the outward. So that now you're hearing more clear from the Lord and you can actually design your life in, in accordance to what you've heard from this whole month long uh, course. So it's based on the book and what I went through and how what I had to go through yeah. to make change in my life. And I consistently, you know, sometimes you do have to go through this every now and again when you're hitting sure. different steps in life. Sure. Yeah. Um, because that's life. That's the world. Yep. <laughs> you, you never go- and I know uh, the other things you know, other than the strongholds and how to rebuke them, um, you know, women can learn deliverance through repentance. Mm. Um, but that does not mean that you won't have to repent again, right? Uh, yeah, that's life. Yeah, like you will. <laughs> so, again, calling all queens. You specific- first of all, what I really love, and, and I didn't know what the the book of Esther was. Um, 
in in a Jewish virtual library, according to the Jewish, there there was a divine purpose for all decisions. the The overall theme for Esther is that God was always working behind the scenes, and Esther was being used for that divine purpose. Purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so which I love, but. I want to just back up really quickly because there's many books of the Bible that you could have chosen, but not many. Um, you know, and, and it could be the Torah, the Quran, obviously the Bible, Old or New, King James Version, the Tanakh. Um, but the Book of Esther, specifically along with Ruth and the Book of Judith, are among the very scant scriptures or scrolls. Mm. that are named after women. Um, is it at all challenging? And I know you're, you are already a woman who's used to being in the sandbox with boys as you, as you live your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it ever at all, I don't even know if challenging is the word, but you know, you're continuing, you're trying to create, you're trying to inspire be inspired spiritually or not in a world that is continuously if not definitively told through the lens of a male perspective and and again the male perspective and even it's even in esther's story she had to change her name because of it a perspective that doesn't always have a woman in high regards unless they say so yeah. You know, um, a perspective that doesn't always carry a woman in reverence, even though her importance. She is the life bearer. She is our mothers. Is that ever at all challenging? Does that ever happen? Like, you didn't have many scriptures to pick from that are of a woman, inspired by a woman. Yeah, I think, um, I think I read Esther a long time ago. I was pretty young. Um, and. I think that was the first time it hit me that it was important to have that. You know what I mean? Um, I, but as I read the Bible more, there, there's, there's story, there's really, there's powerful stories of women in the Bible, but it's just All not up. talked about. <laughs> you know, there was a prophetess in the Bible who was like really like totally like on it. You know what I mean? That was like pretty much um, help. I forget. Gosh, I forget where it was, but I'm paraphrasing, guys. But she was a prophetess, prophetess, and she was helping the army, the either from Judah or Israel, um, helping them win the war. Like we don't really discuss those women who have power directly from God, and like a whole group, a group of men, a whole army is following her instruction. You know right. what I mean? So it's like that once I started to really read from like beginning to end and find these little things, I was just like, okay, it's there. It's just, once again, you know, people just don't want to really talk <laughs> too yes. much about these things. And then well, also, well, okay. And, and I'm just saying, and then also when I started to get a closer relationship to God and feel the Holy spirit more, it was, it was like a, it was like a balance. It was like, okay, I found these stories important, but then as God cl- got closer to me and I would feel him, it was not as intense because I knew that God loved me and I would feel him all over. You know, I, I don't know if I can, how that's I can the anointing. That's the anointing. Right. Mm. So it's like, 
it was it, it was just me just feeling God's love. I knew that God loved me. That's what I'm saying. I knew that God loved me. So no matter what place women were in the Bible and I would find some amazing women in the Bible or not or amazing men, I knew that God loved me as I, I gained a relationship right. with him. One of the things you mentioned uh, before we had this conver- uh, before our interview today um, in our correspondence, you don't mind discussing religion and politics, but you rather not debate about it. It's too stressful. What is it about politics and religion that arises? I mean, why? How are we at this point in time so surprised? that people are of differing opinions, of differing faith, of different ideologies. And why do we let that stop us from understanding one another? Well, here's the thing. This is what I, this is what I find. I find that, especially now, It's so limiting. <laughs> it's limiting. And you, and you can talk, I mean, you're a comedian. You know, if you look at like comedians who were doing comedy in the 90s now, they're having such a hard time because they don't want to get canceled. They don't want to offend someone to a point of they don't have a career anymore. Well, things you've said in the past can and will offend people. But no, 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 not in the past. I'm not, I'm not but you do have past. to grow. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like society has changed, right? So, like, it's it's there are good things. Like, you should be accountable for yes. for just flat out just being a, a you know freaking racist jerk. Or well, one like that, one of your mean? one of your responsibilities as a what success success is all subjective but as a comedian or a storyteller of any kind you have to learn how to read the room take that temperature well of course yeah okay and so be I was, affected uh, by it right so well my point my point was is that what we all i mean we all used to watch martin and all those shows and stuff yeah. like that right and we all laughed right watch it now that's my thing. It can be a no one's laughing. Laugh. Half the jokes, no Especially one's Especially if, if it's towards Gina. There's a lot of isms. You know There's what I mean? There's a lot of isms. Right. So that. Misogyny. So I say, right. So I say that because when we have these discussions, or not discussions, I'm fine with discussing, but when we have a debate, there's, I don't find that anyone really comes to any sort of understanding. I don't feel like anyone necessarily like walks away with anything good. It just ends up one person's offended. Now the other person's offended because that's the way, you know, that's the way it is. And then on top of that, there's also a level of, um, what do you call it? Context, right? So maybe these deeper discussions I'd have with like my guys from yesterday who know me all my life, right? So we can kind of talk candidly because we know each other's character. So if someone says something off kilter, Maybe one person would get upset, right? Because I have gotten upset and be like, the hell are you talking to me like that for? But I know him, I know his heart, and I understand his isms, his little fine print. So I think certain discussions require the context and knowing the character of the person yes. to actually understand well, what they're trying to convey. We're not always going to know that, especially if someone has a big platform. And which well, is right, what you were saying. You wanna... have to be mindful about what you're putting out there. Right, right. That's exactly but you said the point that's i'm mindful about what i put out there and what i discuss. like this is like what only like an hour discussion right no one knows me you know yeah. what i mean no well, one we're knows hoping they I... get a little knowing you of you <laughs> yeah a little bit you know what i mean so it's like let me keep it to what, what what i can show and share about myself within this context within this hour and and thank you so the time flies by right the hour is pretty much done <laughs> 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Blair, for sharing your story, your journey, and your insight with Thank us you. and our listeners. I appreciate it so much. Now, of course, um, earlier today, um, and I know inspired by your friend Holly T. Bolton, you wanted to take your own audience on this little journey of discovering why quitting for you and it shouldn't be for them should be an option mm-hmm. um, and, and you open up this discussion of what do you think you could have accomplished if quitting wasn't an option and obviously we we know a little bit of yours one of the things you talked about was and what we talked about is of course the remembering why you're doing it that's always going to be your motivation i let me tell you blair i want to quit what am i doing this for but (laughs) honestly when i'm having this discussion with you i'm like oh there's my motivation there's my reason why in helping share someone else's story the other thing you, you talked about commanding your maturity pretty tough statement (laughs) <laughs> pretty big statement right i mean we we always i guess it's always easier to default to an excuse or mm-hmm. or default to our ignorance but we know better yeah we do we know better sometimes we're not turning we're lowering the wrong noise down yeah yeah so that we can continue to propagate that excuse of whatever it is of why we haven't done something exactly exactly so that's what i mean like just command your maturity to come to come in and take charge do you but do you feel like you're having a responsibility for others the care of others the livelihood of others that is the biggest motivation isn't it doesn't that always help you keep you going forward? Yeah, if, if I mean, absolutely. If someone else's happiness is tied to it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I've I, And like we mentioned, I was a head of my prayer team. That was tough. Yeah. That was really tough. You know what I mean? Like, forget the whole waking up early in the morning. Like, that was not a thing. It was just tough being responsible for a, a whole team of people, being the leader, hearing from God, and actually having confidence in what I'm hearing, and making sure I'm how do you transcribe right that? Yes, right. You know what I mean? Like, and then I, I, it was it was just and people different personalities from different walks of life, yes. and like it was it was yeah. So I'm not I'm terribly religious, mm-hmm. but I'm not afraid of spirituality. And one of the things I love to do is if I don't know how to articulate it, my first, and it's just ingrained, instilled in me for the longest time. Mm-hmm. God, give me the words to say. Yep. If I don't have them, give them to me. I need them right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he will. Yeah, he's given you the talent to do so. We're pretty much out of time. For anyone okay. looking to find information about Blair J. Robinson, you can go to BlairJRobinson.com. You can buy the Calling All Queens workbook on Amazon right now. How exciting. For everything we do here and to find out about what we do, go to Radio Free Brooklyn. And for everything I do, you can go to junkandjam.com. Thank you so very much, Blair. Thank you. Thank you. This episode and all episodes of the Junk and Jam Hour can be streamed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play Music, and simply tell Alexa, play the Junk and Jam Hour. Thank you.